Thank you, Angie. Well, first of all, I say thank you for reading that long passage that we have today. We're going to break a record and go through an entire chapter plus a few verses this morning. Secondly, I want to say uh, kudos and, and a trophy to the most attentive child in our church, Judson, I have to say, was riveted on Cindy. I mean, what a listener, what an example for all of us. That was amazing. He just like, you know, and, and then finally, we want to welcome the newest human being into our congregation. Uh, Adelaide Jane Miller is with us this morning. <laughs> Big congratulations to Jake and Marcy. Uh, it was an exciting time in your lives. We're so thankful for you and thankful, thankful for for your daughter. Well, let's go to prayer and thank God for His Word. Father in Heaven, we come before Your Word this morning and we ask that You would teach us. We ask that You would soften our hearts, give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and and hearts that would be riveted upon Your Word as attentively as Judson was upon the words of Cindy. Father, might we give that same attention to Your words as we think about it, as we listen to it, as we let it transform us as Your Spirit fills us. And like these people that we've read about just now, I pray that by faith, we would respond to Your revelation and that we would be people that would be pleasing in Your sight. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that You would teach us now. Amen. Well, this morning, if you haven't guessed it already, we come to one of the most famous passages in the New Testament. Oftentimes called the Hall of Faith because of the remarkable list of men and women that are described in it. Hebrews 11 represents some of the most notable stories from the Old Testament and gives us example after example after example of those who have gone before us and showed us what it means to live by faith. The Baseball Hall of Fame is a remarkable museum that commemorates some of the greatest players from the sport. Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, Ty Cobbs, Ty Cobb, Joe DiMaggio, Jackie Robinson. Countless children and, and adults walk through those halls and they find inspiration to play harder, to practice better, to become something more because of the examples of those that were set, set before them. I'd like to suggest to you that the author of Hebrews is doing something similar in our passage today. You see, when we left off at the end of chapter 10 a couple weeks ago, we was, he, the author of Hebrews was in the middle of driving home some of the most major application of the message of the entire book of Hebrews. And so in chapter 11, he walks us through this hall of faith, and he expects his audience, who were clearly familiar with these characters and these individuals in their Old Testaments, he expected his audience to finding them, themselves nodding their heads by the time they got to the end of chapter 11 as they, as they listened to one example after another of people who walked by faith. And, and this call from Habakkuk that he echoed in the end of chapter 10 was a call to walk by faith. And yes, sure enough, Abraham and Noah and Moses and, and, and all these individuals, this early audience, just as us, would, would say, yes, these are people who, who walked by faith. They were those who who um, suffered through trials, but they persevere to the end because the righteous one lives by faith. But how is it that we endure? We're, we're called to endurance. That, that was the challenge at the end of chapter 10. And now he's given us several examples of it. But the question comes, how do, how do we endure? How is it that we do not shrink back and are destroyed? 
You see, too many Christians falsely believe that they are saved by faith, but that once their sins have been forgiven, they, they now have to somehow prove themselves to God as they're walking through this life of faith. Yes, salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, but somehow we've come to believe, many of us, that, that now somehow the Christian walk is done by my works. This, this walk with my Savior Jesus Christ is done by, by me proving myself to Him. And they, many Christians falsely believe that Christ did His part, and so now I have to accomplish my part by sanctifying myself, by making myself holy. And this can't be further from the truth. The same God who saved you from your sins is the same God who is preserving you through the, to the end and finishing the work that He started in you. And while good works are a part of our walk, while holiness is, is the standard that we are called to, we must never forget that the Christian walk is lived by faith. We endure by faith. Your life in Jesus Christ is lived out as you trust what He has revealed and your obedience to Jesus Christ is lived out as you respond to Him and rely on His strength. The Lord begins His showcase of faith with a beautiful entryway in verses 1-3. through And I'm not going to read through the entire passage again, but this introduction bears repeating. And so read with me verses 1-3 through where He says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that when it, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. He begins by describing to us the character of faith. He's not trying to give us a theological definition of faith in this passage, but he's describing the character of what he is going to put on display through these next 40 verses. And the, word has its, the world has its own conception of faith, though, doesn't it? Because you see, the world walks by faith too. The world worships. All of us worship something, and we all believe something, and we, we believe in things that sometimes we can't see. The world has this idea of faith, and, and it defines faith as just a, a shot in the dark, a, a leap into the unknown. Faith is Indiana Jones standing on the precipice, facing the impossible, and just saying, You have to believe. And stepping out in faith, even though it contradicts everything that you know and everything that you've seen. And so when you hear the world describe faith, what are they looking at? They, they think it's, it's, it's as if you're turning your back on the facts. And so therefore they see science and faith as, as not two truths that are parallel to one another that are both given to us by God, but, but rather they, they see truth, excuse me, they see faith and they see Science is things that are rather completely contradictory statements, and so they have to reject one. But that's not the biblical teaching of faith. Faith is not a leap into the dark, but as Hebrews is going to show us, faith is a step into the light. Faith is the human response to divine revelation of Himself. Faith is a response, is our response to the Word of God. Indeed, it, it is a response to things that we cannot see, but it it is a response to truth that God has disclosed to us. Truth about how we shall live then. And faith is how we receive our commendation from the Lord just as those people of old received theirs. In verse 3, Hebrews takes us to the very beginning and he's going to walk us through the Old Testament chronologically for the most part. Hebrews takes us to the beginning and he reminds us how the universe came to be. 
And, and we know that it didn't just happen by accident or chance. It didn't come about by the gods of Mount Olympus warring with one another and then making mistakes and up came man. The, the universe was created by the Word of God, which is very pertinent in this passage because every in single instance that you are going to see of people responding and walking by faith are people that received God's Word in one form or another, whether it was a direct command or it was the Scripture or it was a promise or a prophecy. And by faith, what we're going to see is that they responded to God's Word. God had revealed Himself, revealed truth, revealed a command. And in every one of these instances, people were responding to the revelation of God. And so it's important that he starts with creation and notes that it was created by the Word of God. That doesn't mean that science has to be thrown out because faith requires us to trust what we cannot see. What the world fails to admit is that no matter what theory of origins they propose, no matter how far they come back, they still don't have an explanation for where things came from. Even if they go back to a Big Bang, they have to explain where that came from. They just made it smaller. No matter how you look at the entire universe, you're looking at things that you can't see and experiments that you can't repeat. And they fail to understand that ultimately they cannot see what they believe either. And so we trust what God has revealed and then also He invites us to study what He's created. But that's for another day. Consider with me today what Hebrews has to tell us about our walk by faith. Again, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, George Guthrie notes that some realities are unseen because they belong to the spiritual realm, and some because they lie in the future, when that realm will break into the earthly sphere. In either case, the person of faith lives out a bold confidence in God's greater realities. And so having introduced us to faith, the right way for us to live before God, Hebrews brings before us, again, example after example of those who have lived before us by faith. And he first shows us two ways that faith looks forward to our hope. First, he shows us in verses 4-7 through that our righteousness comes by faith. Uh, Hebrews shows us three individuals, three men who lived by faith before us. By faith, Abel offered his sacrifice. By faith, Enoch walked with God and he was taken up to heaven without dying. And by faith, Noah constructed an ark Notice that twice in verses 4 and 7, he, he, he mentions that um, he reiterates that righteousness came by faith. Again, there's this false belief in, in the church and in the world that the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, how were people saved? By works. People say it all the time, don't they? In the Old Testament, they are saved by works of the law. And in the New Testament, we're saved by Jesus. And so there's this dichotomy that people create that that's not what the Scripture teaches at all. In fact, if you go right to the very beginning, Hebrews shows us that if you go all the way back to the very first prophet, Abel, that they were saved in the same way by God's grace through faith. And so... Um, there's this false belief that Old Testament people were saved by the law and by their works and that New Testament people are saved by faith. But Hebrews shows us that from the very beginning that they were saved in the same way that we are, by faith. Noah built an ark and he became an heir of righteousness. Not by his act of obedience, but by faith. Enoch walked with God not because he was just a super good guy or just super cool, but by faith. And here's one of the recurring themes that you'll find here. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
If you are trying to, to please God and prove yourself to Him and, and hope that one day you'll stand before Him and He'll look at all your good works and go, ah, yeah, I think I'll let you in. Because, yeah, you lived a pretty good life. Understand that the Scripture teaches the exact opposite. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In the case of all three of these men, and indeed in the case of every single person that you're going to find throughout Hebrews 11, the Lord revealed truth and the righteous stepped into the light. By faith, they stood on what God said was true and God credited it to each one of them as righteousness, just as He did for Abraham. Just as He does for you and me. Before we press on through the rest of this hall of faith, I want you to note that God's righteousness and His salvation is still accomplished in the same way. Mankind sinned against our Creator. We declared war against Him. Your sin personally, is a violation of the holiness of God. And unless provision is made for you to make you right, you will be judged before the living God, this righteous God, this holy God, and you will pay for that sin for eternity. Unless you are able to find yourself pleasing to God in some way, you will stand before Him judged for eternity. And that's the beauty of what God did for us in Jesus Christ. He did the same thing that He did. He does the same thing for you that He did for these saints of old. He revealed truth about Himself and about what He had done to remove your guilt. God has shared this truth with us, and we're told in Scripture that He sent His Son Jesus Christ. He sent Him into the world to pay for the price for our sins. Jesus voluntarily gave Himself to die on the cross and He bore the penalty for our sin. He bore the full weight of God's wrath so that you and I might be given the righteous standing that belonged to Jesus Himself. And the whole point of Hebrews is that Jesus has done something far superior to what was offered in the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And Jesus has completed it. He's seated at the right hand of God. His work is done. So, how do you receive the righteousness that Jesus offers you? How do you obtain this complete forgiveness that He extends to you and offers as a gift? And I would suggest to you, and the Bible teaches us, that the answer is the same for you as it was for Abel. It's the same for you as it was for Enoch. And it's the same for you as it was for Noah. It's by faith. It's not by building an ark to prove yourself to God. It's not by proving yourself pleasing to God through a life of good works so that maybe He'll take you up into heaven. It's by faith. It's not by offering the right sacrifice. It's by faith. This is how they lived, by faith. We, it is by grace that we are saved through faith. And we believe what God has revealed about Jesus Christ. We believe what He's revealed about His death on the cross. And if you believe that Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved as you turn from your sin and receive mercy at the cross. My friends, if you're here today and, and you're not sure if you have eternal life, if you're here today and you go, I, I don't know. If I was to stand before God, would, I, would, I, would He let me in? Would He find me pleasing? If you're here today and you don't know the answer to that question and can say with absolute certainty that He would welcome you into eternity, don't leave here this morning without pulling me aside before you leave the doors of this room and know for sure that you have His righteousness, His salvation. I would love to talk to you so you can know for sure what Christ has done for you. 
You see, faith looks forward to our hope. And we first see that righteousness comes by faith. But note also that faith greets God's promises from afar. The Hebrews were being tempted to return to their old way of worship. They were being tempted to walk away from Christ and to return to a system of sacrifices and temples and priests. But throughout this book of Hebrews, God has shown that Jesus is superior. And if you walk away from Christ, there is nothing else greater than He. There are no answers that you will be able to find, no salvation that you will be able to earn, no God that you can draw near to that can offer more than Christ has already given to you. But while we live in this world, there's a real struggle, isn't there? Isn't it tough sometimes? You face persecution. You're going to face trials. You're going to face things that are discouraging. And there's going to be that temptation to toss in the towel and just give up or live a life of mediocrity in the background of things. And the challenge of Hebrews 10-12 through is that we would endure. There are no answers that we'll be able to find without Christ, but while we live in this world, we face these difficulties and we'll face the temptations to return to those other somethings that call to you. And so we found in Hebrews 10 that's call to endure. And we have to remember that we're not home yet. No Old Testament saint better exemplifies the reality of looking forward to our reward than the person of Abraham. Hebrews spends an extended section showing us how he also walked by faith. God called him out of a foreign land. And He promised him an inheritance. And we're told that by faith, Abraham obeyed. He went to live in the land of promise. By faith, Sarah conceived. Uh, during his life, they, they endured. And I'd like you to note that Abraham obeyed God. Multiple times we're shown how God revealed something to Abraham, and Abraham responds in faith by acting on God's promises. He obeyed, but those promises were not immediately fulfilled. And so some of the promises were realized during his lifetime, but not all of them. Some of these promises would be literally realized by Abraham and Sarah's descendants. And some of those promises are still to be fulfilled. And Abraham still looks forward to those as do his, his children. But verses 13-16 provide this beautiful interlude that describes not only the experience of Abraham, but all people of faith who await God's promises which we look forward to in the life to come. Hebrews says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. I want you to listen to this because this is God's response to you if you have received Jesus Christ by faith. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for He has prepared for them a city. My friends, as we walk by faith, remember that faith looks forward to our hope. And it is realized in the reality of righteousness that comes by faith and that faith, and that faith greets God's promises from afar. But also note, in the remainder of the chapter, that faith looks beyond what we can see. I find it quite remarkable how confident mankind can be during this life. We get pretty comfortable and think sometimes that we're pretty invulnerable. When things are going very well and we're healthy and things are life is just everything's fitting together, people kind of forget that we're mortal. 
But in reality, the world has also, they too have faith in these things not seen. But in, in the end, those who are without Christ find themselves deceived and without an assurance of things hoped for. This last few years has vividly reminded us that the world, it reminded the world of the reality of death. And in varying degrees, the certainty of death has, has struck fear into the spirits of men. We've seen how the hearts of men have melted and their knees tremble because mortality comes to us all, and we've been reminded of that. And if our Lord tarries his return, we also, you and I, are going to taste of death. But be reminded that faith looks beyond what we see. First, we're reminded in verses 17 to 22 that faith is not blinded by death. Hebrews returns to the faith of Abraham and he recounts how God tested him. And by faith, Abraham offered Isaac on the altar. And he was ready to take the life of his own son because God commanded him to do it. The book of Genesis describes Abraham's faith and his obedience, but the author of Hebrews gives us a little bit of a glimpse into Abraham's thoughts. You see, God had promised him that it was through Isaac that the promises would be fulfilled. And so when God commanded him to sacrifice Isaac, which was customary in many of the religions that were all around Abraham, Abraham reasoned in his mind that God was able to raise his son from the dead. God had provided his revelation of truth to Abraham. At some point, God had said, Isaac is going to be the one in which the promises are fulfilled. And so Abraham wholeheartedly believed. He believed it. And he knew that he would receive Isaac back. Somehow. And this is even more remarkable for Abraham than it would be for us because up to this point in Scripture, how many instances do you know of people that were raised from the dead? How many people throughout human history up to Abraham's point in life had died and come back to life? There's none. Job mentions once that, that in, after his death he would see God. And other than that, there's no revelation of, of resurrection that we find anywhere in Abraham's day. And so it's remarkable that Abraham at this point that he recognizes that God would somehow bring Isaac back and he would receive him again. Because Abraham considered that God was able. And he took God at His word. He couldn't see it, but his faith was not blinded by death. Isaac and Jacob, they also, and Joseph, they looked forward beyond their deaths and they looked forward to the promises of God. And so my friends, let us never forget that we too live by faith and we look beyond what our human eyes can see. And, and death is not the defeat of our faith. But notice also that faith is not overcome by fear. Hebrews next reminds us that by faith, Moses was hidden by his parents. They weren't afraid of the king's command. Moses rejected sin because he wasn't afraid of affliction. By faith, he trusted God and he wasn't afraid of Pharaoh. He kept the Passover and we're told that Moses endured as seeing whom, uh, he who is invisible. Just as Moses, you are going to be tempted to fear those who can destroy the body. You will be tempted to give in to the fleeting pleasures of sin. You will be tempted to lose sight of your eternal reward and, and fear those things in this life which are just temporary. But if we endure by trusting in the One that we cannot see, we also will see faith. See that faith is not overcome by fear. When we talk about faith, we often picture in our minds the, the heroes of the Bible, don't we? 
when you mention the people of faith in the Bible, our minds immediately go to those that had great victories. God accomplished many great victories through His people. However, Hebrews reminds us that those victories, first of all, they were the Lord's victories that He brought about when people walked by faith. Not because they were superheroes. Not because they were super extraordinary human beings. But that God had transformed their hearts and transformed their lives. And as they walked by faith, God accomplished great things. Hebrews quickly accounts the crossing of the Red Sea, the fall of Jericho, the salvation of, of Rahab the prostitute, and many others. He makes reference to, those, to some of the prophets. People like Daniel who stopped the mouth of lions. His friends who were saved through the fiery furnace. Jeremiah who escaped the edge of the sword. There were women who received back their dead by resurrection. Speaking and referring to the faith of Elijah and, and, and Elijah and Elisha. And these are all awesome stories of some of our heroes who experienced God's victories by faith. And I think it's easy for us to imagine that faith is something that's displayed by the heroes of the faith. Faith is for the big names in history. The George Muellers, the Hudson Taylors. The big names of the great saints as if they somehow had made themselves great. But I want you to understand that these are people who walked by faith And they're those whose faith was not overwhelmed by their circumstances. They trusted in God. Each one of them was told something by God. They read something in God's Word. They were given a direct command by God. An angel appeared. In some way, God had revealed Himself and revealed truth to them. And each one of them, in the midst of their circumstances, in the midst of the threat of death, in the midst of the fears, they trusted Him. By faith, they continued to walk forward. But I also want you to notice that Hebrews includes the name of some characters that you, you look at Hebrews 11 and you go, they're in the hall of faith? Moses. Always perfect, right? Humblest man on the earth. Oh yeah, he was also a murderer. David. Great accomplishments. We think of 1 Samuel being the tragedy of Saul and 2 Samuel, the victories of David, right? Uh, you read the end of 2 Samuel. It's the tragedy of David. And, and we read about David's own murder. And, and, and he was an adulterer. Gideon, question God's calling. Samson, wow, there's a guy with some problems and failures. Living for the flesh and the pleasures of this, of this world. But in all of these cases, we find people who eventually learned that the victory was not through their own strength. And so by faith, they looked beyond what they couldn't see with their human eyes. Their faith was not overwhelmed by their circumstances. But also a third group of people, notice that he, there's a switch that gets turned in verse 35. I'm just going to read the, these three verses again. Some, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You see, it's easy to remember the victories of the Bible. It's easy to remember those who walked by faith and, and there, was, there was some tangible result in, during this lifetime. And stories are written about them. But we often lose sight of those who walked by faith and suffered for it. Isaiah was killed by uh, the, the most wicked king of all of Judah. He was put inside a log and sawn in two. John the Baptist lost his head. Paul was imprisoned. Peter was crucified upside down. 
then verse 39, he concludes with this, and he says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. You see, God was still accomplishing His plan. And by faith, they were looking forward to the promise that would come in the future. And note that it says all of these. By faith, they, they looked beyond what they could not see. Excuse me, they looked beyond what they could see to, to things that they couldn't see, and their faith was not overwhelmed by their circumstances. And so whether they experienced and witnessed great victories, whether they learned the lessons, their lessons of failure or suffered hardship, all of these were longing to see God's work carried out, and they looked beyond. They took the truth that had been revealed to them and they believed God. All of these were commended through their faith even though they were still waiting for what was promised. My friends, don't ever fall for the lie that faith is for the heroes who see great victories during this lifetime. Today, we also are, are, are to obey the call of Habakkuk and, and be God's righteous ones who live by faith. There are going to be times when you're going to see the fruit of your faith during this lifetime and you're going to witness God's victories and go, wow, praise God. It's amazing what He did. Sometimes you're going to walk by faith and your reward will be beyond what you can see. And there will be an opportunity to say, praise God. He is faithful and I look forward to how He will answer our prayers. And Often we walk by faith in the midst of the mundane things of this life. The daily routines, the daily chores, the changing of diapers, the caring for our aging parents. The normal stuff of life. And God delights when we walk by faith in the midst of the ordinary. We live by faith as we remember the truth that God has revealed and we walk accordingly. Let us follow the pattern that we see in this great hall of faith. Well, we saw at the end of chapter 10, the author of Hebrews called the church to endure. There were individuals that were tempted to, to peel off, to walk away. And he says, run the race. Endure. Stick with it. And chapter 11 shows us example after example of those who endured through trials of this world. And they lived by faith, looking what, what was beyond. Now in the first three verses of chapter 12 where we'll finish today, he renews that call for endurance. And he does so by once again pointing us to the One who is superior to all. You see, the Old Testament saints, they looked forward to the fulfillment of God's promises. And now as those who participate in the New Covenant that was instituted by Jesus, we have something that those in Hebrews chapter 11 only looked forward to. We have Jesus. We have actually come to know the promised One and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if more than the Old Testament saints, we have the opportunity to continue to live by faith. We have a relationship with Jesus that they only looked forward to in a special way that we do. He gives us a couple of very practical points of application for living our faith and finding endurance. Using imagery from the athletic games, First, He commands us to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. and Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want you to imagine for just a moment running a 400-meter dash. Picture yourself coming around the first bend. All the runners are moving to the inside lane. Your breathing is, breathing is rhythmic. Your arms are pumping. You can feel your lungs burning. Now picture yourself in a dress. 
in the days of the Hebrews when this was written, robes were the traditional attire. And you can imagine trying to run any length of, of, of time. You'd be tripping over the cloth and embarrassing yourself all over. And so when people walked a great distance or when they ran, they would gather up their robe and tuck it in. It, it was called girding up their loins. And, and, and so that's the picture that He gives to us. Don't, don't let any of that trip you up. You are in a race. And it is a race that you must demonstrate endurance. But like a, a nice evening dress or a robe, we get tripped up by sin which clings to us. So by faith, we trust the Lord. We trust the strength of His power and we lay aside every weight. And so one of my questions for you this morning is what are the weights, what are the encumbrances that are tripping up you as you run this race? What are the things that are hindering your ability to walk by faith? Now, it's never enough to remove sin in your life, to be done away with it, to put it aside, to say, this is getting in the way of my walk with Jesus Christ, and so I'm going to remove this thing and forsake it. I'm going to get it out of the way so that I can obey Him obediently and respond to what He's given to me in the Word of His truth. But it's never enough to just remove the sin in your life or the things that are causing you to stumble. You have to replace it with something greater. Something superior. And we've been reading through the book of Hebrews, and I'm not sure if you can think of anything that Hebrews might say is superior to all those things. We've said it over and over and over again. Consider Him and remember the endurance that He bore so that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted. As we conclude Hebrews with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, tells us that we need to keep our eyes focused on, on Jesus. Keep our eyes fixed on Him. I lost my place in my Bible. I'm turning there as fast as I can. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When it says that He despised the shame, He put to shame the shame of the cross. He accomplished something that, that, that was marvelous. And He completed that work. He went into the heavens as our High Priest. And today, He is seated at the right hand of God. The work was completed. And so now we need to keep our eyes focused on Him. There's a story of a, um, story of a farmer who um, couldn't see very well. His eyes had dimmed over the years. And, um, and so what he would do, like Brian, he liked straight rows. And so he would, um, he would focus on a, a, something on the other side of the field. And, and he would take his oxen and he would plow those lines and plant his crops and, and he would go to the other side. And they'd focus on an object on the other side of the field and he would, uh, and he would um, make, make that straight line. And then through the rest of the field, he would follow those straight lines until he got to the other side and had completed everything. And so he, he did his work and he went about his business and then he got to the end of the project and, and, and he stood up to, to look over his work and he noticed that, that the entire field was in a curve. The entire field uh, was not straight lines, but it was an arch. And he had completely made a disaster of the field and, and he thought, how can this be? I, I've been looking at this rock on the other side of the field to, to start my rows, to make my straight lines. And and so he went and examined the rock that was off into the distance and found out that he had been focusing on a cow. You see, if you have your eyes on the wrong object, you're going to find yourself distracted. 
You can find yourself discouraged. You can find yourself wandering and not doing things in a straight line. There are times that get, things get discouraging. There are times when we're tempted to throw in the towel. Hebrews has challenged us that, that Jesus is superior to all the other somethings that this world has to offer you. And it cries out and says, come back. Come back. Serve us here. Do this here. Don't you remember how fun it was before Jesus? Don't you remember how great it was before you were devoted to this life of faith? Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is superior. He was superior to the angels. He was superior to Moses. He was superior to the high priests. And He's accomplished what no other one can. And so the command that we close with is to consider Him. To consider something means to pay attention to it. To give thought to it. We've seen that word before in Hebrews. And here He applies it to Jesus Christ. Consider Him. Remember what He endured on the cross. The suffering that He that He. Uh, uh, Endured and, and the, um, he put to shame the shame of the cross. Remember the endurance that he bore so that, he, so that we might not grow weary and so that we might not grow faint hearted. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've called us to this life of faith. We've tried on our own. Before we were received your salvation, we tried earning forgiveness by our own deeds of righteousness, and we couldn't do it. But we found in Jesus Christ that justification is by grace, something good that we didn't deserve through faith in Christ. And we thank you that the Christian life and this Christian walk is done in the same way. That it's not done by our own power, it's not done by our own strength, it's not done by our own abilities but it is carried out as we walk and live for You by faith. Trusting in what You have to say to us. Receiving the power that You provide. Being filled by Your Spirit who empowers us for ministry. Empowers us for righteous living. Empowers us for this walk of faith. We look forward to the day when our faith will be completely realized. When our hope will be um, manifest. Well, Lord, we look forward to that time. We pray that You would strengthen us this day and help us as we run this race and endure. In Jesus' name, Amen.